Eagles Entertainment. With the 15th pick in the NFL Draft, the Philadelphia Eagles select... You're listening to the Journey to the Draft podcast. Welcome to the Journey to the Draft podcast presented by LifeBrand. I'm your host, Fran Duffy, and it's time to get you ready for week eight in college football. Insane to think that we are at this point already in the fall, but here we go. We're going to do it with a trio of guests. First up, we've got Mr. Relevant, where Chad Reuter from NFL.com is going to join the show. Talk through this senior class. Who has helped themselves the most? Who's a guy that he has really liked more than everybody else? Who has stood out to him so far in 2022? We'll get into a handful of those things with Chad at the very top of the show. After that, we're going to dip into this week slate of games with Ben Fennel in Saturday scouting. Talk through some of the top one-on-one matchups you need to have your eyes on when you've got your TV tuned into college football this Saturday. Then we've got pick six. Ross Tucker and I continue our head-to-head battle, our weekly pick segment. Always fun catching up with Ross. We'll do that in our third segment. Then we've got our draft mailbag. A great pass rush question from an Eagle standpoint there at the end of the show. As always, make sure you head on over to Apple Podcasts or Stitcher or Spotify, Google Play, wherever you listen to the show. Leave us a rating. Leave us a comment. If you've got a question, we will answer it here in an upcoming episode. If you've got a mock draft, send them your way. It's about mock draft season, right? We should start seeing more and more of these as the NFL season starts to kind of define itself. I'm excited to hear more of your mock drafts as we get closer and closer and closer to the pre-draft process. Appreciate everybody that has left us comments and ratings in recent weeks. Thanks so much to you. That said, let's get this one going. Excited to catch up with Chad Reuter. It's been a while. Let's get it going with Mr. Relevant. It's time for Mr. Relevant. All right, well, this week here on Mr. Relevant, excited to be joined by Chad Reuter from NFL.com. You can follow his work at Chad underscore Reuter. Been on the show multiple times before. Chad, welcome back, man. Appreciate you joining us here on the Journey to the Draft podcast presented by LifeBrand. Yeah, thanks, Fran. Appreciate the invite as always. All right, well, let's get through uh, some of these questions here. And you are you constantly update your top 25 Senior Bowl prospect rankings. I know it's a list that you publish throughout the course of the pre-draft process. Your latest one went up uh, within the last couple of weeks. And I want to ask you, uh, outside I, Kentucky quarterback Will Levis, I think most feel, yeah, he's definitely going to go uh, in the first round. That's, that seems to be consensus at this point. But yeah. outside of Will Levis, who's the guy that you feel like has the best chance to hear his name called in round one by the time we get to next April? Well, I've, you know, typically there's eight to 12 seniors picked in the first round, uh, just sure. depending on how strong the underclassmen is. So I think the guys you got to look at Tyree Wilson from Texas tech, the edge rusher. I just think he's got too much length, too much athleticism. That team, they, they won't let him get out of the first round. Even the team thinks he's sort of like a Greg Rousseau kind of, kind of guy. Greg still went in the first round. He's not getting out of the first round, I don't think. Uh, him, Jalen Duncan, the left tackle from Maryland, and Zay Flowers, the receiver from Boston College, are our guys. Um, and Andre Carter from Army. Those are the the five guys with Levis that I think are pretty certain to go in the first round. Flowers is an interesting one, and just because he had the injury last year, it was the kind of dinged him up, so the numbers yeah. were greatly affected uh, in twenty twenty one. What have you seen from him so far this season? And do you feel like that's a, he's a, there's a decent shot he could go round one? Yeah, I, I think uh, you see what you saw as a sophomore. He he returned back to this form this year in terms of his quickness his toughness. Now it's just a matter of whether BC can actually get the ball to him or not. That's always, that's always an issue with that offense right now with a banged up offensive line, young offensive sure. line, man, after the catch, he's fantastic. He's a lot like Kadarius Tony was, he's mm. going to blow up at the senior bowl. I think just like Tony did, because you, you get that ball, to, you can actually get the ball to him in space and he's a downfield threat. I mean, he made one of the catches of the year this year going up over a defender uh, to grab a touchdown early this year. So, I mean, I think he could do a little bit of everything, even if his stats aren't awesome the rest of this year as they struggle, I think his traits are there. So I think late in the first round or mid to late first round, he's going to get his name called. All right. So you've mentioned a couple guys, seniors on offense and Jalen Duncan, Zay Flowers. We talked about Will Levis as well. But who, who's another senior on that side of the football that you feel like has really helped himself most so far with the way that he's played here this season in 2022? Well, I don't think you can be asked this question without saying Tennessee quarterback Hendon Hooker. I mean, yeah. He's been really outstanding. I mean, we saw this last year. If you watch closely, he did play well last year, and he's got some things to work on. But, man, he, he just stands in that pocket. And if Alabama found out, if you don't get a pass rush on that guy and just let him throw to the first target he looks at, he's making that throw very accurate. 
Um, you know, he's got, like I said, he's got some things to work on. Georgia will probably make a move in the pocket a little bit more, see if he can do a little more off platform stuff. But man, he has, he has zinged the ball in all the right places because he's had all this time this year. So uh, he's looked great. And I'll just mention Eric Gray at Oklahoma too. He has more carries right now for this year than he had all of last year, 97 Mm. versus 78. I think the numbers are. So, uh, he's really, he's getting that opportunity. So that that's he's really done well, both as a rusher and a receiver for the Sooners. Talking about Hooker, obviously had the big win over Alabama last week, and the the stock is is only going to go up at that point, right? Uh, but when you look at him and just his general profile, you know, being a, a two and a half year starter, he's going to be a twenty five year old rookie by the time we get yeah. to next fall. What do you kind of view his ceiling at from a draft standpoint? Like, do you think we're talking about a guy that's round one, or do you think it's more, uh, you know, day two? Or do you think it's early yeah, day three? How do you I, kind of view the profile? I think day two. I think day two. I, I think. Um, you know, he looks sort of like in the pocket. He sort of looks like Kellen Mond did at Texas A&M, putting mm, narrow yep. base, you know, in smooth delivery, sort of the smooth delivery, kind of like a Geno Smith second round pick. Um, and again, I have some concerns about parts of his game, so I'm not seeing him as a first round right now, but there's still some time to go. And if he improves in some of these areas off platform, as I mentioned, you know, Guys go up late, and uh, it's just a matter of who comes out among the underclassmen quarterbacks, too, to see how that pushes the the need up a little bit. All right, well, I'll ask you the same question now on the defensive side. Who's a senior on defense that you feel has really helped himself so far with his play this season? I think Makai Garner, the cornerback from LSU, has been outstanding. Uh, I think he made the transition from Louisiana to Louisiana State look pretty easy. Um, there's been other guys that transferred in there, uh, Jarek Bernard Converse, for example, has been good and bad, but Garner's been pretty, pretty steady. And uh, and honestly, I think the biggest uh, compliment teams are really not throwing at him that often uh, because they know that they that outside receivers get locked up. And again, he has some things to work on, as they all do, but I just think he's been really good this year. He's basically shut off half the field, looks good against the run. He's willing to mix it up. So uh, I think he's really helped uh, helped himself this year. Some of our listeners might say, like, Fran, you ask the same questions to your guests all the time. Like, why do you? And it's, honestly, it's because of guys like Gardner, because the same names pop up every every, every couple of episodes. And it's like, OK, yeah. well, yeah, you got to make sure you're doing your homework now on Makai Gardner, because clearly he is making an impact on people that are studying him and studying this entire process. So uh, Makai well, Gardner, me, corner you, LSU. Yeah, and I'll give you another guy that yeah. maybe some people haven't heard of yet. Jacob Sykes, the defensive tackle at UCLA, Harvard transfer has looked really good this year. He's one of these 280, 285 pound tackles yep. that get picked like in the fourth, fifth round who end up sticking and making some plays. There's a guy, you know, your listeners may not have really gotten into yet, but he's, he's somebody to watch. Yeah, he played the same role uh, on that defensive line that uh, Osa Digizua did yeah. uh, a couple of years ago in that system. So uh, definitely keep an eye there on Jacob Sykes. Uh, who, who's a guy that you feel like you like a little bit more than everybody else, Chad? I, I loved asking this question as well. Who's who's one yeah. of your guys here in this class? Well, I, I would have like two weeks ago, I would have said Dalton Dalton Kincaid, the <laughs> the tight end from Utah, but he's been great the last couple of weeks, so I can't even say that anymore, really. I love Cody Mock, the offensive tackle from North Dakota State. I, do I don't too. think many people are up on him yet, but yeah. I really love that guy. I put him right in that same category as Trevor Penning, to be honest with wow. you. Nice. I think he's an outstanding athlete. I think he is uh, he's tough as nails. He will get after you until the whistle. Um, he's really mobile for his side. Former tight end that kind of converted him, like you know, they do a lot. Uh and, and I just think plus he's got the best media guide picture yes. of all time. No Please question. look up Cody Mock, M-A-U-C-H, North Dakota State, long red hair, beard, missing his two front teeth, big smile. You'll you'll never regret it. It's awesome. So I love watching this guy play. I love his sense of humor. And uh, I, I think this guy's going to be in that, that running for that first round this year. It's one of those guys where you almost like don't want to like overthink it because this is an athletic player with projected uh, versatility moving to the next level, and he just wants to to uh, outfinish you on every single yeah. play. And it's like, all right, like if I, if you can give me like toughness, versatility, and athleticism, like that's a really yeah. good starting point uh, for an ath- for a, an offensive lineman moving to the NFL. Last question for you here, Chad. One under the radar matchup, a, a guy that you're going to be watching here this weekend that's got some NFL draft implications. What's a a one on one battle we should be watching out for? Oh, I think the biggest battle in terms for draft stock is Matthew Bergeron, left tackle from Syracuse, going up against Miles Murphy, Clemson uh, edge, you know, this weekend. I mean, 
Bergeron can make himself some money if he's able to stand up to that test, because I think he, you know, people are talking about him a little bit more. I have some concerns about him a little bit, but if he can stand up, if he can recover against the power of Murphy, I mean, that's going to be a fantastic matchup. So I can't wait to watch that. Love it. Miles Murphy uh, in, in most of our discussions in our mock draft roundup shows up in the top 15, top 20. Uh, Matthew yeah. Bergeron, I know Ben brought him up uh, here on the show a few weeks back as a tackle to watch uh, in this class. And uh, so that's definitely that got the makings of a big matchup. Chad, thanks so much for joining us once again here on the Journey to the Draft podcast presented by Life Brand. Everybody go make sure you check out Chad's work uh, on Twitter as well as over on NFL.com. Chad, we will talk to you again soon, my man. Thanks a lot. Appreciate it. It's time for Saturday Scouting. All right, let's now turn our focus here to this weekend in college football as I welcome in Ben Fennell for some Saturday scouting. And Ben, uh, let's start things off with our matchups. We just ended the last segment uh, with, with Chad asking about his matchup that he's watching here this Saturday. Uh, I'm going to pose that same question to you. What's your number one matchup to watch for this weekend in college football? Well, we have an awesome game out west. Uh, number nine, UCLA against number 10, Oregon. I know those Pac-12 teams maybe got off to a bit of a misstep with an early loss out there, but uh, Chip Kelly and those Bruins are undefeated, and Oregon's trying to rally right now. And I'm looking right at Zach Charbonnet, excellent running back, UCLA, leading the conference in yards after contact. Just a smidge behind Travis Dye as far as yardage, but want to see him battle against big Noah Sewell, big hulking linebacker for Oregon, play some off ball, play some off the edge, some overhang. Big Charbonnet, big Noah Sewell. Those are two gladiators out there. I really want to see Noah Sewell track him down in space and see how much Charbonnet can maybe uh, – get loose on a tackle or maybe fall forward and use that contact balance and that excellent play strength. There's going to be some uh, violent collisions between those two for no sure. Question. Uh, on no contact. question. That should be a fun one to watch. Um, we're actually going to talk about that game in the next segment with Ross as well. For me, I'm going to go uh, all the way back to the East Coast here. Wake Forest, Boston College. How about A.T. Perry, the oversized wide receiver for Wake Forest? Uh, he's built, you know, anyone that likes Drake London, you're going to like A.T. Perry. We talked about him a couple weeks ago with Nate Tice. Going up against Boston College and their senior corner, Josh DeBerry, uh, who is a little bit underrated. People aren't necessarily talking too much about DeBerry. Uh, but he's quietly having a nice season. Uh, he's definitely going to lose out uh, on the, the height disadvantage uh, against Perry, but uh, should be a good matchup. And I know when people go back to watch Josh DeBerry uh, here this spring and during the pre-draft process, everyone's going to say, all right, how did he do against A.T. Perry? What did he do in that game against the Demon Deacons? So uh, to me, that, that's a big matchup to watch there, Ben. Yeah, absolutely. Josh, Josh DeBerry is a really good player. He's an experienced player. He's had some hiccup games. He's gotten beat deep a couple times this year, I think yeah. last week in particular. But when you have a full body of work, you're not going to kill a senior for a rough game. All right, well, let's go to our, our next one here. Most to gain, uh, a player that could really benefit from a strong performance this weekend. I know you want to talk about uh, this matchup between Syracuse and Clemson. Uh, the same, same idea that, uh, that Chad had a little bit earlier as well. Absolutely. That's kicking off my Saturday noon. ABC undefeated Syracuse against undefeated Clemson. Whole lot of orange out there meeting in <laughs> South Carolina at Clemson. But I really want to see Syracuse left tackle Matthew Bergeron, who finally Brandon Thorne, offensive line guru, got around to watching. And I believe he said that's his favorite offensive lineman thus far. Really strong player. Excellent experience. Paving tons of lanes for that running back Sean Tucker behind him, getting a lot of the... uh the love and the buzz as far as his draft stock. But Matthew Bergeron against KJ Henry against Miles Murphy and Clemson. And he's actually played pretty well the previous two years. PFF's pass blocking grade. That's been Bergeron's highest graded game the past two seasons. So keep up the good work against a strong competition. But those defensive ends are Clemson. KJ Henry, his stock is soaring. Miles Murphy is now being mocked in top tens. Yeah. We're seeing, we're going to dive into one of those in a couple of minutes out here. So you shut down those two NFL caliber defensive ends. I think Bergeron is kind of squeaking his way into a first round caliber conversation. Yeah, it's always good when uh, when you get that Brandon Thorne stamp of approval. I felt that way when he started uh, raving about Cody Mock from uh, <laughs> North Dakota State on Wednesday night. Yeah. Uh, same, same kind uh, of feeling. And Fran, Bergeron is massive. Yeah. He is 6'5 and every bit of 330. He looks the part out there. He is a smooth mover. 
So typically when we do these most to gains, it's typically like, all right, like you have a, a prospect that maybe is under the radar, has their chance to kind of prove themselves against a, a, a high level of competition. But I'm going to go to the SEC and the prime game here, 330 CBS. You've got LSU and Ole Miss. And let's talk about a guy that's in first round mock drafts pretty much every week. Everywhere you look, LSU wide receiver Kayshawn Butte is in every mock draft. But the thing is, Ben, as, as you know, he hasn't been super productive this year. He's he's really struggled to kind of find his way. Now, quietly, last week against Florida, he goes six for 115 against the Gators secondary. Now, uh, that was his best game of the season to this point. So, if he can follow that up against this feisty, scrappy Ole Miss defense that uh, has been better than people have given it credit for, Ole Miss in the top 10, in the top 8 right now, when you look and say, all right, this is a big opportunity for, for Kayshawn Butte on a national stage in a prime slot in that CB game uh, to have a big game against the Rebels, I think everyone would be excited about Kayshawn Butte uh, kind of uh, re-arriving here on the, uh, mm-hmm. from the 2022 NFL draft standpoint. Yeah, I feel like the wide receiver class has been a little bit fluid and in flux this year. You know, yeah. those guys we had our eyes on to start the season, Smith and Jigba has obviously been digged up. You know, Kayshawn Butte, even a guy like Josh Downs maybe hasn't generated the, the buzz and the production we expected. I love one of these position groups or open season. Because yep. I don't want, I don't like consensus picks. I like seeing kind of varying evaluations. And I think there's a group of maybe 10 receivers in the conversation of being, you know, the top one or two in this class. So Keishon Butte, talented player, maybe not the season we expected thus far. All right, well, let's go to uh, our next category here, and that's our prospects after dark. A guy that's playing in a game with an 8 o'clock start or later that you want to make sure we profile. Uh, ben, I will uh, let you kick this one off. Well, we're going to head out west once again. Washington Huskies got a late one Saturday night, and I'm looking right at edge rusher Jeremiah Martin leading the conference or just a smidge, I think, trailing maybe one behind uh, the leader. But with 26 QB pressure, six sacks in 2022, he was Pac-12 defensive lineman of the week, really putting together a strong season. And remember, this is a Texas A&M transfer. He's played in 50 career college football games, his first 41, no sacks. And now he's obviously really ramping up the production here into his final campaign with the Washington Huskies was an excellent high school basketball player to nearly 30 points per game score. He's now a team captain, just started playing football in the middle of high school as a sophomore. So his best days still might be ahead of him. He's about 6'4", 265, 270. He looks the part and he's really putting his game together. So look out for Jeremiah Martin out there for the Washington Huskies. Well, with you out on the West Coast, I will uh, stay here on the East Coast and look at Pitt versus Louisville, 8 o'clock on the ACC Network. And Pitt, there's a couple of guys uh, there that you could be watching here. Maybe it's Keaton Slovis, the senior quarterback. They've got a couple other players on the defensive side of the football. But I want to hyper-focus here on the junior defensive tackle, Kalijah Kansi. Extremely undersized. He is very small. But, man, this guy is so, so disruptive. He is so much fun to watch. It's just a matter of, like, can you get past his severe lack of size? But... uh, it's going to be really tough to watch him try and chase down this Louisville offense and not for him not to be able to pop off your TV screen. Kalijah Kansi, really, really fun. He's got a single-digit number on the interior. He's going to be easy to find. Kalijah Kansi, worth the price of admission to watch this pit defense. He's a really fun player. And Fran, I'm starting to think some of those undersized defensive tackles are becoming a little bit more accepted around yeah. the league, especially when you can prove, hey, if anything, I'll be a dominant sub-rusher. And you see all these kind of second wave sub fronts where they want three techs that just get up the field, maybe not the prototypical early down player to take on double teams and it may be two gap for you. But if you can rush the passer passer as an interior defensive lineman, I mean, Puna Ford is 5'11 and he's having himself a really nice NFL career despite, I don't believe, being drafted despite being the Pac-12 defensive lineman of the year. So we've seen Mike Daniels and Geno Atkins and we all want to point Point to the, you know, Sheldon Rankins and Aaron Donalds of the world, too. Those are pretty special players. But Kalijah Kansi, absolutely in that mold. Yeah, I love it. He's, he is such a fun player uh, to be able to study. Let's now go to our, our next one. Call your shot. Predict a big game um, from a prospect this weekend. Uh, I'll kick this one off. I, I, we, we talked a lot about Army defensive end Andre Carter coming into the season. Just two sacks uh, so far this year, both of them coming in one game. 
They, ben, I'm telling you, he's coming off the schneid this week, going up against uh, Louisiana Monroe. They're way down the list when it comes to uh, opposing pre- opposing pressure percentage. That offensive line has really struggled to protect the quarterback. I really like Andre Carter here. One and a half sacks, at least, for Carter here against UL Monroe. So I'll uh, keep an eye on that one. My one from last week, uh, Purdue quarterback Aiden O'Connell, he came through for me against Nebraska. He threw for just under 400 yards, uh, a season-high four touchdowns, QB rating of 146.4. So uh, Aiden O'Connell coming through for me last week. We'll see if Andre Carter can do the same for me this week. I really like Carter's chances against UL Monroe. Uh, last week, Ben, you talked about Syracuse running back Sean Tucker against NC State. He went for just shy of 100 yards uh, and a touchdown against the Wolfpack. Who do you have for us this week? Yeah, it's a good one out there with Andre Carter. How about TCU, number eight in the country, 6-0. and They're playing Kansas State, uh, 8 o'clock Fox Saturday night. That's a sneaky game out there. Tons of purple, K-State, TCU. Yeah. But I'm looking at Quentin, Quentin Johnson who had a huge game last week, kind of his coming out party for the 2022 season, had eight catches for 180 and a touchdown in their big win against Oklahoma State. I think he's going to double down. I'd say he goes over 200 this week against K-State, Ooh. knocks off K-State's kind of season. That's They've had a nice year. They're 5-1, and one, 17th in the country. But I think this one kind of buries them. Kansas Jayhawks have already fallen off. I think TCU keeps rolling. Max Dugan, big credit to him. Didn't win the job coming into the season. Hung on, didn't transfer, injury or bad play. I'm not exactly sure what happened at the quarterback position. Now he's back in there and playing some of his best football. Love stories like that. So really fun game. Don't forget about big Deuce Vaughn on the other side of Kansas State. And I mean that uh, facetiously. He's 5'5", 165, (laughs) but a very productive running back over there. Really fun game. That might get my attention Saturday night. Uh, I, I'm picking this game in the next segment, so I, will, I won't give up too many of my thoughts there, but it is going to be a fun one there in the Big 12. Uh, let's now go to our next one here, comparison chat, just uh, using an NFL comp to profile a prospect playing this weekend. And Ben, uh, last week, uh, over the weekend, I had a chance to study a handful of players on Sunday leading into the Eagles playing on Sunday Night Football, and one guy I watched was Florida wide receiver Justin Shorter, a, tra- a Penn State transfer. Uh, he's been down there in Gainesville for a couple of years. I was excited to kind of dig into his tape. Big receiver. Uh, he's had some nice games so far this season. Uh, one of them was against Kentucky. I've, I've watched a couple of those games from so far this year. You know who he reminded me of? And very, very fast, man. It was like 10 snaps in, and maybe it was just because we had gotten done studying the Cowboys. He really reminded me of Noah Brown coming out of Ohio State. And a big reason why, obviously the size, um, they're, they're very, very similar from a height-weight standpoint. But then also... Dude, one of the first ways he popped off to me, he is a like devastating crack blocker, just d- obliterating safeties in the middle of the field. So uh, Justin Shorter, multiple times, showed up to me as a blocker. He's definitely one of those guys that is going to be a perimeter player. He's not going to give you a ton uh, after the catch, but I think when you look at his ability to kind of win as a, a pure, like traditional X receiver, win with size, uh, go up and be a ball winner, that's kind of Justin Shorter's game. I thought very similar to Noah Brown. It wouldn't shock me if they had very similar career arcs where he's able to kind of stick and maybe he's like a, a fourth or fifth receiver for those first couple years doing a lot of dirty work and uh, you know being a special team or being a blocker and kind of a rotational possession threat and then earns himself some more touches uh, as his career progresses but Justin Shorter Noah Brown I felt good about that comp I like that a lot Justin Shorter the former number one receiver in the class started his career at Penn State now over at Florida really excited to see how the NFL views him I'm going to stay in the receiver category Michigan State receiver Jaden Reed one of my favorite players in the country Six foot, 185, slot receiver, weapon, punt returner, really an all purpose receiver. He wins a lot outside of the numbers, too. But he's six foot, 185. So let's find a returning slot receiver to compare him to. And he reminds me a lot of Christian Kirk at Texas AM. And I think they can do similar things for an NFL offense as far as getting themselves open in the slot, winning on third down. But then you just want to put the ball in their hands, put them in the backfield if you need to, run jet sweeps, end arounds. You know, work on some double moves and both of them surprisingly competitive at the catch point, despite that size, despite that frame. They play with a my ball mentality. I think Christian Kirk and his usage with Doug Peterson and the Jacksonville Jaguars has just been beautiful to see in 2022. And I could really see Jaden Reed being a day two steal for an offense that can use a similar weapon, maybe a team like. I don't know, the Green Bay Packers, maybe a, you know, another Debo Samuel out there for Kyle Shanahan in San Francisco. I feel like every offense wants this type of player. 
Yeah, if you have any qualms whatsoever about him at the catch point and dealing with contact, you go watch that Ohio State game. Some of the catches he made in that one, Jaden Reed, uh, really stood out against the Buckeyes. Let's round this out uh, with our mock draft roundup. We're going to pick a mock draft, look at who they've got the Eagles taking and some of the other trends uh, from the article. And this week, we're going to go over to Yahoo Sports, where Charles McDonald did his first mock draft uh, working for Yahoo. And we're going to take a look at the top five picks. Ben, let's see how these guys go off the board. Carolina at number one, taking Ohio State QB, C.J. Stroud. I know you're a fan. Uh, of that selection, Stroud, QB1. Number two overall, the Las Vegas Raiders selecting pass rusher Will Anderson from Alabama. At number three, the Detroit Lions going quarterback here with Bryce Young from Alabama. The Houston Texans at number four taking Georgia defensive tackle Jalen Carter. So chalk the first four, the two quarterbacks, and you've got the two D linemen. Those are the first four. What do we always say? Who's the fifth guy there in the top five <laughs> this week? It's the Eagles with the fifth pick. This is from the New Orleans Saints. They take Clemson defensive end Miles Murphy. This is a guy that we've seen uh, really mocked very often to the Eagles. Here's the blurb from Charles. And uh, he said, Philadelphia is in range for a top five pick. Thanks to their trade with the Saints from last year's draft. Mur- Murphy is another pass rusher to add to an already tough defensive line. And uh, Ben, like I said, I have not been keeping track uh, of this, but Murphy is probably tops in the like non-running back, linebacker bucket for Eagles being mocked to the Eagles uh, at this point in the process. Yeah, absolutely. That's really one of the first I've seen there. And, uh, you know, after Will Anderson, it's another position group, that edge rusher, it's just wide open. We've seen anything from Miles Murphy and Nolan Smith and B.J. Ojolari and Tyree Wilson, all different players kind of pegged around mock drafts in the first round. I absolutely love the discord. Miles Murphy, I think, is warranted in this position. I've compared him to a Jason Pierre-Paul type of player. I think he's a really stout 4-3 defensive end, and being the fifth overall pick is kind of how his season is uh, really trajectorying right now. He's having a really strong 2022 senior campaign. Yeah, it's uh, to me like it's so exciting for this Eagles team to be six and zero. They're at the top of every running's power rankings, and oh yeah, by the way, in every mock draft, they're they're now having a top ten pick in this situation, <laughs> a top five pick, uh, and we'll see where that pick goes. So just a luxury of riches, right there. And Miles yeah. Murphy is a true junior, by the way. Just yeah. correcting myself. Yep, good point. Uh, and real quick, the three we talked about the players that went before Miles Murphy, the three that went after at Houston to, at number six, the Houston Texans taking Kentucky quarterback Will Levis, another Penn State transfer at number seven. The Seattle Seahawks taking Georgia corner Kaylee Ringo. And then at number eight, the Pittsburgh Steelers selecting Ohio State tackle Paris Johnson. Ben, of those three picks, or really I should say, of those seven non-Eagles picks that we've hit on the top four and then the uh, rounding out the top eight, of those seven, which would you find most surprising and why? I think Will Levis going sixth overall to Houston would be a little bit rich for my liking. Um, I just don't see him being a top 10 prospect. Have kind of a second, third round grade on him right now. But like we always kind of joke tongue in cheek, if you have a day two grade on a quarterback, they're going in the first round. I just don't think he's going to go top 10. I think he's going to go more towards the back half of round one. Houston Texans can use a lot of different positions, a lot of help, both sides of the ball. I just think quarterback going will leave us there at six, which is unfortunate to miss out on a CJ Stroud or a Bryce Young picking sixth overall. But I think, you know, if you need a quarterback, go get one of those premier guys at one or two. I just don't see Will Levis as the sixth overall pick. The, for me, the one that, that caught my eye was Kaylee Ringo going to number seven uh, to the Seahawks. Obviously, they're getting good play uh, out of Tariq Woolen. He won NBC, uh, uh, NFC Defensive Player of the Week uh, thanks to his performance this this past week. But I think when you look at uh, just Ringo right now, I, and again, I haven't studied him so far from this year, but based off what I saw uh, over the summer, um, we know he's got traits. I, I wonder if he's like a top 10 type of talent, though. I mean, we talked about how that corner class is a little bit murky right now, um, but that, that would shock me as him going at that high. Do you kind of uh, see it the same way? Yeah, I do. I think uh, there's some questions in his game, but right now I think he's tracking to be the number one corner and, uh, you know, to fall into that spot, I think is an appropriate area of the draft. You're going to bet on traits with these corners. So we see guys get thrusted up in the first round year after year after year. I think Ringo knows he has those traits. The NFL knows he has it. He's played high level football against NFL corners. Yes, there's some questions in his game and he's still a young player, but 6'2", 210, speedy corner with experience. Those are pretty good things to like there. I was going to say, and also, like, we know the Seattle, uh, they, li- they like those traits at the cornerback spot, and, R- and Ringo certainly has that. So it definitely makes sense from that standpoint. But I, I guess yeah, just uh, in terms of total body of work, what, like, would he be a top seven player uh, in this class? Um, all right, let's get to uh, the, the Eagles' second pick. And 
again, this is just it just warms my heart. Uh, number 32 overall. So uh, Charles predicting the Eagles winning the Super Bowl here. Jameer Gibbs, the running back from Alabama. Here's the blurb from Charles. The Eagles get a premium pass rusher with their first pick and now a running back that looks like a carbon copy of Alvin Kamara. Not a bad first round haul at all for the Eagles. Ben, uh, <laughs> what do you think of the, the Alvin Kamara, Jameer Gibbs comparison? Uh, we, I've seen that a handful of times. Is that something uh, you really like? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, they look the same, their body type, the way they're proportioned. They play the same as far as their ability to weave inside the tackle box, juice on, in the perimeter, catches the ball extremely well, both excellent route runners. And everything I've heard about Jameer Gibbs, very, very intelligent player, just like Alvin Kamara coming out of Alabama and then Tennessee once he transferred. But Kamara was a very smart player. Sean Payton loved him immediately there at the New Orleans Saints. Jameer Gibbs, everything I'm hearing off the field, in combination, what I'm seeing on the field, I have no problem with that comp. It's getting to be a little bit mainstream, so I might throw another comp in uh, into the into the equation as we get down the stretch here. But uh, we'll talk about that later. All right, I like it. I like it. What's um of the of the three picks that went before the Eagles at 32 uh, at 27, the Kansas City Chiefs taking Kansas State's Felix Anudike Ozoma, the pass rusher there uh, with the Wildcats at number 28, the Minnesota Vikings taking cornerback Eli Ricks from LSU or from Alabama previously from LSU. And then at 31, the Buffalo Bills selecting another running back. So two running backs to close out the mock uh, B. John Robinson, the running back from Texas. Uh, ben, which of those picks would surprise you most? Uh, maybe Anduke Uzama. You know, the defensive end from Kansas State being a first-round pick, I think he's going to be a really nice day-two player. This is really the first I've seen him in the first round, but uh, just a little rich for my liking. But, you know, you have a big game on a stage against undefeated TCU Saturday night. Maybe I can get down with it, but I love seeing uh, different players in mock drafts here. Yeah, no question. And uh, I think, obviously, look, at, after the Buffalo Bills just took James Cook uh, this, the, uh, in this past draft, like, would they go running back again? Obviously, Bijan, uh, a different kind of player than James Cook for sure. But uh, that one would surprise me. The one I am going to go with, though, is Eli Ricks, the corner from Alabama, uh, sneaking into the back end of round one. He's got traits for sure. I've talked about him since his true freshman season. Did a deep dive on him when he was at LSU. Uh, really, really liked what I saw from him. But at the end of the day, like, what when he's gone, over uh, to Alabama. Uh, the traits are certainly there. I guess at 31, it's not the craziest thing in the world. Remember, they also took Andrew Booth early in the second round, uh, obviously hoping for him uh, to come out, you know, to, to take that next step once he's fully healthy. They've got Cam Dantzler as well. Um, is that enough to, to keep you away from Eli Ricks? I don't know, but uh, that one w- would surprise me a little bit as well. Yeah, I think that's fair. And I think you have, there's holes to poke into a lot of the cornerbacks in this class that, you know, the Ringos and the Cam Smiths of South Carolina and the Eli Ricks. I think once we get into the springtime, traits are going to dominate this conversation. Just like the Marshawn Lattimore's that were very inexperienced and didn't play a whole lot of Ohio State end up being middle first round players because of those traits. Yep. And then teams like the Saints are absolutely laughing afterwards because they got a premier cover corner. So I see a lot of these players in that conversation. Eli Rick certainly in there. All right. So we're talking about surprises. What about our favorite picks? We'll Each of us will pick one offensive player, one defensive player, where we just love the fit, the value, everything about it. Uh, which one stands out to you on offense? Well, this is now like uh, Andy Reid surrounding Patrick Mahomes with all these weapons. You get excited about Sky Moore and Clyde Edwards-Hilaire and all these free agents. Well, that's how I'm starting to feel about Josh Allen and the Buffalo Bills. So last year, you know, adding Khalil Shakur and James Cook, that was exciting. But now I see running back Bijan Robinson mocked to Buffalo. I don't care how many running backs they have. I don't care if they have digs and receivers and Dawson Knox. Add more weapons to your superstar quarterback, add weapons around your superstars and adding a Bijan Robinson, a brutal run through your face type of running back with a Devin Singletary and a James Cook and all those weapons. I love that. So I love seeing these powerhouse teams and these superstar quarterbacks have weapons and multiple ways to beat you. That's fun right there, friend. Uh, I like it. Yeah, I think that you can definitely make the argument either way uh, with that fit there with uh, with the Buffalo Bills. Um, I'm sure me- there's some Bills fans out there saying, no, O-line, O-line. O-line. We got to yep. protect this guy. Keep him upright. Nah, let's be this basketball team on grass out there. Let's go, go, go. We'll score points. Don't worry about that. 
Well, I am going to go uh, in the trenches for mine, and I'm going to stay in the AFC East. The Miami Dolphins taking Georgia tackle uh, Broderick Jones kind of stands out to me here. This is a team in Miami that always drafts for traits. They're not necessarily worried too much about sample size. Uh, they they prioritize big schools. Obviously, they're looking for more offensive line health. They continue to try and build up in the trenches there under the general manager, Chris Greer. I think you look at Broderick Jones, Miami Dolphins, that makes perfect sense to me uh, as a fit there. And uh, whether you view him as a left tackle or right tackle, um, you know, Ron Armstead obviously there and he's one of the best tackles in the game um, but health has been an issue durability has been an issue over the last few years so you add Broderick Jones to that mix and you figure it out uh, Jones I think would be a great fit uh, from a from a thematic standpoint certainly with the Miami Dolphins um, let's go over to the defensive side of the ball Ben what's the your favorite pick on defense from this mock draft I love seeing Tyree Wilson hulking defensive lineman from Texas Tech, 6'5", 270 with like an 85-inch wingspan, going to the Los Angeles Chargers. And Fran, I call this the Jerry Tillery get-right pick Hmm. because I just don't feel like he ended up being what they had expected. They need more versatility and playmaking on the interior of the defensive line. We know about Joey Bosa. We know they got Cleo Mack on the other side. We know they have a very exciting secondary with Asante Samuel and Derwin James and some players like that. They need a three-tech nose tackle, one shade to not only stuff the run, but show they have some juice getting after the passer too. Too many one-dimensional players in the past. I know they've moved on from the Linval Josephs and are trying to turn the corner in the trenches there, but a Tyree Wilson to the Chargers, that's exactly what I want to see in that defensive line group, a guy that I think can plug the run and thrive in some sub packages. I love that. Uh, I think when you look at uh, what he can do in that kind of scheme, I think that uh, you know Brandon Staley they, they they excel at trying to find guys with unique skill sets and leverage them to the best of their ability. I think Wilson uh, definitely has a unique skill set and would definitely fit there uh, from that standpoint. Um, for me, I want to stay along the defensive line. How about Brian Brezzi going to the Arizona Cardinals? Uh, this is a team that just needs you know more young blue chip players, and Brezzi I think fits that defensive scheme well. We know that uh, that's an organization that has a propensity to take players that have versatile skill sets sometimes to a detriment like so versatile you're not sure where to play them I think that Brezzi is on the right side of that ledger and understand like yeah this guy is truly versatile he is not a tweener he is a hybrid he is a guy that can do a lot of different things for you up front that's a defensive scheme where uh, they're going to move all of their pieces around you look at how they use Zach Allen and certainly J.J. Watt Uh, Watt's health has been an issue the last couple of years I think Brezzi can do a lot of those same things he's a really athletic player Uh, Steve Kimes got some inroads there in that Clemson program, his former offensive line coach, Robbie Caldwell, was the online coach there for forever. Uh, was a big reason why they took Isaiah Simmons a couple of years ago. Caldwell has since retired there from the Tigers, but still those inroads uh, exist there with that program. So I, I really like the fit there of uh, Brian Brezzi going to the Arizona Cardinals. Some say, some, some might say like, oh, we need to build more on offense, you know, build up that offensive line as well. But I do like the fit there of Brian Brezzi going to the Arizona Cardinals. Well, Ben, uh, great stuff as always. Really enjoyed uh, kind of chopping up this mock draft with you. You'll be back uh, next week right here on the Journey to the Draft podcast presented by LifeBrand. Now it's time for Pick 6. All right, time for my favorite segment here on the Journey of the Draft podcast presented by Life Brand Pick 6, where I welcome in my friend Ross Tucker for our weekly pick segment. And Ross, uh, we split right down the middle last week, so I've maintained my eight-point lead. We split in our pick-ems. You smartly picked Utah over USC. I picked TCU over Oklahoma State. Both those teams uh, came through for us. Uh, And then we split our one-pointers as well. The over-under, I went with Chris Rodriguez running for over 100 yards. He ended up running for almost 200, uh, the Kentucky running back against Mississippi State so he came through for me and then you uh, were very, you always are smart about picking against the margin and you t- took the total touchdowns for the quarterbacks in the Tennessee-Alabama game over Alabama's margin for victory so you picked up a point uh, there. Both of our upsets came close uh, but neither one was able to come through. UConn losing to Ball State by four. Akron losing to Central Michigan by seven. Um, but Ross it's, uh, it's a tight one. This, is, uh, this has become a fun competitive race here. Dude the other upset special was going to be Old Dominion yeah. over Coastal Carolina. I'm so mad at myself. That was the other one. I mean, UConn almost came through. I still can't believe Oklahoma State blew that game. But UConn, that was so close. But my other pick was Old Dominion, and they crushed Coastal. 
So I've been trying to like every week I think about oh do I go back and look at some of the upset like potentials that we could have done and which ones came through but when I saw this week I was like oh ODU one I was like oh Ross is going to be kicking himself so I figured I'd let you off the hook uh, there with that one but that said you got the opportunity now to uh, to catch me here this week and we'll start with our pickums and we'll we'll begin things uh, with the Big Ten Wisconsin Purdue one team uh, has already made a coaching change another team has had maybe an unexpected amount of success so far with the Boilermakers who do you like here in this one. Really, really torn on this one. I think Purdue's better. I was surprised Wisconsin lost to Michigan State. Yep. Especially the way they were playing. I don't have a ton of logic for this. I'm going to go with Wisconsin. Wow. Okay. I feel like they're due. It's at Wisconsin, I believe. I feel like they're due. I feel like they're just going to be more physical than Purdue. Give me the Badgers, but I don't feel great about it. Yeah, it's tough, especially for a team that's only won a couple games so far this year to, to go with the Badgers. I thought about going that way. Certainly Jim Leonard in that defense going up against this high-powered Purdue offense scares me a little bit, but uh, I will go uh, with uh, with Purdue. And Aiden O'Connell, the senior quarterback, uh, Charlie Jones is so, so productive as a receiver there, the new the first-year player there for the Boilermakers transferring over from Iowa. Uh, give me Purdue here uh, in this one over the Badgers in that offense. All right, next up, let's go to the Big 12. I feel like we're TCU this is three straight weeks where we're picking a TCU game, but uh, this has been a nice stretch of games for them where they've gone up against ranked opponents out there in the Big 12. This week, it's Kansas State, TCU, two of the uh, the hotter teams in the Big 12. Ross, who do you like in this one? This is another one, man. I've kind of gone back and forth. You know, I picked against TCU back-to-back yep. weeks, and they burned me both weeks. Kansas <laughs> could have beat them. Oklahoma State could have beat them. Yep. So, I was thinking about going to K-State and thinking they can't possibly win another one of these close, hard-fought games, can they? But that receiver for TCU, Quentin Johnson, is just so good. So I'm just going with the old, if you can't beat them, join them, TCU. All right, so I've been with TCU this entire time, and I, I am going to do the opposite of you, Ross. I'm going to go with Kansas State. You look at that coaching staff with Chris Kleeman uh, coming over from Wyoming and the job that he's done so far with that program. I like the Wildcats here in this one over the Horned Frogs. Give me KSU over TCU in the Big 12. So we're going to go opposite ways on both of our pickums here this week, Ross. Now let's transition to our over-under while pick a number. That's pretty simple. You pick the over or the under. Let's go to the Pac-12. Huge matchup. Two top 10 teams here in the Pac-12, Ross. UCLA and Oregon. And the number this week, 99.5. I'm going back to the running back well. Zach Charbonnet, the talented running back for the Bruins. The senior running back for Chip Kelly. Over under, 99.5. Does he run for 100? Does he break the century mark against the Ducks? Yes, I think he does. I'm going over. Um, He is really good. UCLA is on a roll. I like UCLA to win the game, even though they're underdogs mm-hmm. against the Ducks. Chip Kelly and the and the Bruins, their whole team's like 23, 24 years old. I think he realized, you know, a, a competitive advantage at that level is to have older guys, more mature guys, physically, mentally, emotionally. And I think Charbonnet, I think they're going to have to run a lot. I think he's going to go over 100. What if I told you that Charbonnet only ran for 35 last year against those Ducks? Uh, would that scare you at all? Or are you still staying on the over? I would tell you that that means he's due for a breakout <laughs> against Oregon. <laughs> I like it. I, I was going to go the over as well. I was going to see if that would be enough uh, to swing you. I, I think Charbonnet, this offense is humming right now, man. I mean, we, we've talked a little bit about uh, this group. You know, we talked about uh, Dorian D- uh, Thompson-Robinson, the quarterback. Uh, he has been so productive both through the air and on the ground. Uh, and Charbonnet, whenever he's been out there, uh, he has been very, very productive in his second year in this Chip Kelly offense. Let's now go to a, a next one here. An either-or. Another big matchup here, this time along the East Coast. Syracuse, Clemson. These games always find ways to be productive or be to be really fun to watch, really entertaining. And this year, both these teams are ranked in the top 15. So we're going to look at uh, the running backs. This is a running back themed segment, by the way, because uh, this category, just like the last one, uh, is involved with the running back spot. The two running backs in this in this game, Sean Tucker is draft eligible for Syracuse. Super, super productive so far this year. Will Shipley, not eligible, I believe. I think he's a true sophomore for Clemson. Uh, but both these guys have been really productive this year. So we're going to say more all-purpose yards. So running, uh, running the ball and catching the ball out of the backfield on offense, most all-purpose yards in this game, Ross. Who do you like, Syracuse's Sean Tucker or Clemson's Will Shipley? 
Okay, I have a question on this. You need to tell me the truth. Doesn't Shipley return kicks as well? Yes, but we're not. I will not count the the, the return yards. I wanted to focus solely on offense. Okay, for this so there's because there's a difference between all-purpose yards yes. and scrimmage yards. Yes, yeah, so we'll call. We'll, so you're that's a good call. That's a good call yards. on your part. Uh, scri- scrimmage yards. Okay, because I thought Shipley returned kicks. And I don't think Tucker did, and I thought that's a big difference. Yep. No, the, um, the, the in the spirit, the spirit of the uh, of the category was uh, more scrimmage yards. That's a good call. Bad it. phrasing on my part. Well, you know, I'm gonna go Shipley anyway, just because that Clemson front is nasty. Good luck to Sean Tucker against those guys. So I'll still go Shipley, but that would have been for sure if that had been the case. I think just Tucker has been so amazing, and there's been a, there's a lot of weapons with that Clemson team. Uh, even if you think, all right, Clemson runs away with it, maybe they, they sub in some of their backups towards the end. Uh, Tucker stays in. He's been more involved with the pass game this year. Uh, I will go with Sean Tucker here. Um, I, I think that he's got the ability to be really explosive. And if Syracuse has any chance to upset Clemson here, I think Sean Tucker is a big, big reason why. So we'll go uh, Sean Tucker. We'll go opposite sides here on, uh, on that selection. Let's now go to our high-low. <clears throat> and again, this one is which number is higher, and we're going to go to the Texas-Oklahoma State game and staying with the theme of running backs here, Ross. Which number is higher? Total points scored by Texas running back B. John Robinson. We will call a touchdown six points, not seven. Or the Texas margin of victory over Oklahoma State. If it's a tie, it will go to B. John Robinson. Ross, uh, what do you like here in this one? Total points for Robinson or Longhorns margin of victory over OSU? You already know which one I'm going to pick, right? You're, 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 you hate the margin. I hate the margin because I think Oklahoma State has a great chance to win the game. There you go. So I'm going to go, go Bijan point scored. I think he'll get at least one touchdown. Oklahoma State might win. Bijan might get a couple touchdowns. So I'm all over Bijan point scored. I see it's tough because obviously if Bijan, B, I, I like Texas to win this game and I like Texas to win this game, uh, not going away, but I feel like it's a, a, a nice convincing win here for Texas. Uh, Quinn Ewers is healthy now and is looking looking really really good out there. Um, but that if they if they if they're really effective if they do win well, there's a good chance that uh, Robinson scores multiple touchdowns and if he scores multiple touchdowns, is that going to outperform the margin? Is that enough? Uh, you can tell I'm going back and forth on this. I'm gonna put my faith in Quinn Ewers, man. I've been so impressed. And I don't know if I like I don't know if I was expecting him to be as good as he is. Obviously, he was a super, super hyped recruit, five star, you know, best recruit ever by according to all the recruiting services. I, there's no way he's gonna live up to the hype. Uh he traded all the mess with Ohio State and he ends up at Texas. Dude, he's been awesome whenever he's been out there. He's been so, so impressive. I was blown away by what he did against Alabama. He gets hurt, he comes back, and he has been lights out since that point. Give me the Texas margin. I'm going to go opposite of you. I, I, I'm going to give me the Texas margin. I'm going to bet on Q, Quinn Ewers here uh, in this one. Let's now go to our final pick here. Our upset special, Ross. I'll let you kick it off. Uh, a, a couple interesting ones. There are some juicy ones here this week. What's the upset that catches your eye? Yeah, there were a couple I thought about. Um, certainly, uh, Vanderbilt over Missouri stood out mm. to me as a decent possibility. But I'm going with Marshall. Over JMU. Wow. Pretty remarkable that a team that beat Notre Dame this year is 13-point underdogs against a team that was FCS last year. Like, that's remarkable. Uh, I don't know that JMU loses two in a row. Last week might have been a a wake-up call after they were ranked, and then they lost. But I'm still going to take Marshall because they should be able to be better than them. They should be able to beat them. So give me Marshall. Dude, you know the I, I the one I like really thought about hard. Uh, Colorado just got their first win, and Oregon State. You know, Oregon State they're they're, they're a fine program. They've got their four and two so far this year. I really thought like, does can Colorado make it a winning streak? Could Colorado make it happen again? I ended up not going with them. I'm going to go Northwestern over the Terps. Uh, look, I think when you look at Northwestern, uh, they've got some players on both sides of the ball in the line of scrimmage that I think can impact the game. And I think when you talk about an upset. Uh, to me, it's the the trench players that can make that happen. Uh, give me Northwestern here over Maryland. Uh, I like them uh, there in the Big Ten. Ross, uh, we'll see if either one of these guys can hit for us, and uh, we'll see if you can catch up to me here in week uh, number week number seven. I just Wait, no week upset. eight. It's every week. I just need the upset. Let's go, Marshall. Let's go, Thundering Herd. Now it's time to hear from you, the fans, in the draft mailbag. 
Always great to catch up with my friend Ross Tucker. Let's now wrap it up with our draft mailbag where we've got a question from Tony who left a five-star review saying, hey, Fran, really appreciate you taking our questions. Love the podcast. Two-part question, if I may. Number one, you spoke very highly about Georgia tight end Arik Gilbert before the season. Do you still feel that way? And number two, who are the senior pass rushers that the Eagles should be looking at? So, uh, Tony, it's a good question. I think, when look, when you look at Arik Gilbert, uh, one thing we did talk about was that you were ho- you were kind of come betting on the come, right? This is a guy that had outstanding flashes as a true freshman at LSU, did not play last year, and now you go to, to this season, well, what is he going to do? Well, He's only had two catches on the air, two catches for 16 yards. They both came in that blowout win over Vanderbilt. He's been basically a non-factor for the uh, undefeated Georgia Bulldogs. So at this point, yeah, it's tough to say Ari Gilbert is going to be uh, a high pick in next uh, next spring's draft. Hopefully he can either get things turned around, uh, whether it's with Georgia or somewhere else, or continue to just find ways to be able to get on the football field. But up to this point, he's been a non-factor. That potential, that upside has yet to be realized. So uh, I would say that's where we're at right now. Uh, with Arik Gilbert, obviously a lot of talented players on that Georgia Bulldog team. Now, if you're talking about senior pass rushers, I think it's actually a pretty good group this year when you look at this senior class. A bunch of guys to be really excited about. Obviously at the very top, uh, this guy's not a senior, but Will Anderson, blue chip player, we know about him. But I think when you start looking at some of the, uh, these other players, I think Nolan Smith from Georgia really, really stands out to me. A little bit undersized, but this is a guy that can check all the boxes. He can win with athleticism. He can win with power. He, the People to th- think that just because of his size that he is not powerful. That couldn't be further from the truth. This is a guy that when he gets full extension, he can drive offensive linemen off the ball. He's really, really fun to watch. He's an outstanding run defender. Plays with great motor, great effort, great kid off the field. You're checking a lot of boxes there with Nolan Smith. You go to Nick Hampton from Appalachian State. He's more in that Hassan Reddick mold in that he is a, a little bit of a shorter pass rusher, but hyper-athletic, converted linebacker, making the move to as a full-time edge rusher. Really love uh, the way that he kind of approaches getting after the quarterback. He doesn't have like this wide, wide array of moves. He's got a fastball. He's got a changeup. He has that understanding. And with that, that's that, that's a guy that, that knows what he is as a rusher, and I can work with that uh, right off the bat in the NFL. Isaiah Foskey from Notre Dame is a player we've talked a lot about. Uh, Jared Verse, not a senior, but a guy that uh, has burst onto the scene before he got hurt with Florida State this year. I'm a big fan of Zion Tupuola Fatui uh, from Washington. Uh, this is a guy that got hurt in tw- the 2021 season, so uh, didn't play a full gamut of games last fall, but when you watch him, he is power personified as well. He can really push the pocket. He's got some... Uh, uh, positional versatility as well. Uh, so there's there's a lot of really impressive senior rushers. We didn't talk about uh, Andre Carter uh, yet in this segment. We talked. I talked about him in the previous segment, but uh, Andre Carter from Army, another guy that you need to be aware of. Zach Harrison from Ohio State, Tyree Wilson obviously from Texas Tech. Uh, you know, Chad brought him up earlier in the show, and, and he's a guy that uh, could go in the first round of this draft. So you look at this senior class, really, really interesting group of pass rushers. I think teams will be uh, very happy with what this position uh, is offering in this year's NFL draft. That's without even counting uh, what we're going to get from the underclassmen ranks. So, uh, Tony, great question. Really appreciate that and appreciate the input from all of our guests this week. Ross Tucker, Ben Fennell, and of course, Chad Reuter from NFL.com. We'll be back early next week right here on the Journey to the Draft podcast presented by LifeBrand. We're going to be breaking out everything we see here this weekend in college football. We'll see you next week.